Good morning. Go ahead and be seated. My name is Chris, and uh, I'm one of the teachers here. And I just want to say uh, and echo what Mark has said today. We are so honored to have you uh, here with us at our Syracuse campus. If you're new or visiting with us, man, just a, a special warm welcome to you here as well. As we come together and as we celebrate the risen Savior, amen, that's why we are here today to celebrate our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords on Easter Sunday. You know, I, I think about uh, significant events that stick with us. I mean, this could be things like uh, maybe our wedding day, if you're married in here, maybe you have kids, uh, we recognize that those birthdays are special days. Uh, you know, maybe it's the loss of a loved one, a significant loved one. Uh, maybe you're like me and you root for the Atlanta Falcons and uh, they blew a 28 to 3 lead, right? That's an event uh, that will always stick with me. I, mean, I think of uh, world events that I would never forget, right? I can think of uh, when I had kind of graduated, uh, there was this event called Y2K. Does anybody ever remember Y2K? It was gonna be like the end of the world, right? We didn't really know how to expect when the year 2000 was gonna come. We thought we were all gonna just vanish, I guess. Well, here we are, 22 years later. It didn't happen, right? Uh, I'll never forget where I was on September 11th, 2001. Right, I think of those events that stick with us. I don't think any of us will forget what has happened here in the near, or the recent times that we are living in, right? This world that has been rocked by this thing that we call COVID, right? I don't think that we will forget those things. And, and there's these events that stick with us. You know, I, I then begin to think of what this week represents. You know, if you've been with us over the last week or so, uh, we've been talking about Holy Week, Right, our Passion Week, where uh, last Sunday we recognized uh, that those who were with Jesus saw him enter into Jerusalem and they were singing Hosanna, which means Savior, Messiah, save now. And you see, uh, we see just five days later, those cries of Hosanna were changed because Jesus didn't meet their expectations. And those shouts became no longer save now, but crucify him. You know, why we're here today, the most significant event of all of history, I would say, is when our God defeated sin, death, and the grave, right? We knew that three days later that he rose to new life, and that is why we celebrate. I mean, we celebrate Jesus today, right? Amen. That is why we are here today, friends. And there's no nothing that compares to him. And so what I want to do with us today is, uh, you know, I think for many of us, sadly, like many other holidays or even religious holidays, uh, we have a, a tendency to miss the significance of the event, right? We think about Easter and, and, and what we're going to do and we had a breakfast and we're checking off the box that we're coming to church and we're on our way home to have a nice meal. Uh, anybody in here cooking a ham right now? I will pray for you. Ham is disgusting. Uh, that, that is, we're going to pray for you. But, but then we think of like Easter eggs, right? It's become this, like the Easter bunny and Easter eggs. And at our house, we do a, a hunt for the golden egg, right? We put a little bit of money in there. We're big spenders, like 25 bucks, right? And, and, and we're looking forward to all of these things, which are really, really, really good things. But we, we miss out on the significance of the most the most amazing event of all time. And, and my hope today is that we would not miss out on the significance of Easter Sunday. You know, we're gonna put ourselves right in the story because as we look at some of Jesus' followers, uh, those who were with Jesus in the last days and even leading up to the last days, 
even they themselves missed out on the significance of who Jesus was. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 24. Uh, Before we do that, why don't we pray one more time together, Lord Jesus. God, I ask that as we dig into your your, your word today, Lord, that you would illuminate the scriptures to us that it would change us from the inside out. God, that as we see the story and those who were with you, God, may it impact us in a new way, a fresh way today by the power of your spirit. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. We're going to read this story together. Many of you have read through this, but let's start in verse 1 where it says this. But very early on Sunday morning, the woman or the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says, as they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women, the women were terrified. It says they bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? I've been saying this all morning because there's something so significant. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Now let's, let's put ourselves in their shoes in this moment. Remember, Jesus had just entered into Jerusalem. And, and those that were there with him were paying homage to him as royalty. They were laying their robes down as a sign that here is our Messiah, our coming king, coming in to rescue his people. It says that they laid palm branches to say, this is the heritage of Israel. Our king is here and he is here to save. And now he was dead. Now he, he didn't do what they thought he should do, or so they didn't think. The Bible says he was dead. Jesus had been arrested. He had been tortured. He had been crucified as a criminal. The Bible said that his body was laid to die in Joseph's tomb. But Sunday came, and they went to look for him, and here they are. The Bible says that they were terrified, puzzled, and confused. Let's continue the story. It says this, remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. It says this, and this is so interesting to me, because they had just spent all of this time with Jesus, and surely they had to have been, they had to have remembered what he had said, but it was only until a divine event, angels from heaven speaking to these women, that they realized, yes, that's what he said. It says, then they remembered that he had said this, so what did they do in anticipation? They rushed back. They rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But listen to what it says. It says, but the story sounded like nonsense to the men. Can I get an amen? It sounds a little crazy, right? But it sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter, you remember Peter? Peter was the one that Jesus said would deny him three times, and that's exactly what happened. It said, Peter jumped up 
almost in anticipation, he jumped up and he ran back to the tomb. Stooping in, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Let's, let's just try, just for a moment, to put ourselves in their shoes, right? It's this roller coaster of emotions, isn't it? I mean, again, celebration. Our Messiah is here. He's come to save us from, from the Roman Empire. He's come to save us from being under the siege, under attack every day. Here he is, our deliverer, right? But then all of a sudden, he's dead, perceived dead. But then they go to the tomb, and, and what's even crazier is these two men, angels appear to them. H- how crazy would this be? And they said, listen, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is risen. And then the Bible says that their eyes were open, and so they, they realized, wait, well, he did say that. And so they run back, and they tell as many people as they could. And when they get there, <laughs> They tell the story, and the, guy, you know, the, the disciples are there, and they're like, yeah, and pigs fly too, right? Okay, he's, he's alive. So, so you really actually believe that. And it says Peter ran back, and he ran back as fast as he could, but Jesus wasn't there. You know, have you ever experienced this roller coaster of emotions in your own life? I mean, I think that there have been times where, you know, everything's been really, really good, and something happens, and it's just like, it feels like the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And then maybe you rally and you get out of it and it's just this up and down, highs and lows, uh, happiness, then sadness, sorrow, then disappointment, joy, right? It's all of these emotions. And what we see in this story is that these were real life human people and they had just gone through the gamut of emotions, this wide variety. And you know, this, this theme, shortly after all of this happened, it continues with two other followers. It says this in verse 13. It says that same day, two of Jesus' followers, now uh, we don't know much about these these guys, they they name one as Cleopas, but we don't know the other one, they're not actually the disciples. It says that there were two men who were walking to the village of Emmaus, some seven miles from Jerusalem, and it says, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. I can only begin to imagine what's going on here, right? They just realized, they had just witnessed probably the most gruesome thing that we could even begin to imagine. And here they are now re-kind of hashing and talking about all of these events as they walk back to their home. It says, as they walked along, they were talking about these things as they happened, and as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But here's what's interesting. It says, God kept them from recognizing him. It's interesting to me. God kept them from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? You know, what's so interesting is Jesus is walking and talking with these two followers, and he's listening to them, and he's asking them questions. And if you read the story, just a few verses earlier, uh, they're, they're almost having a, a patronizing conversation with Jesus, the one who just rose from death to life. The only one who experienced it, it says in verse 18, you must be the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> Like, but, but what's ironic is Jesus was the one who went through those things. And it says, uh, here's what we see about these men, I, I think, as we kind of walk through the story. As they walked and talked, the more that Jesus communicated with them and talked with them, it showed their ignorance of Christ's true identity and his purpose. You know, these, these men, for whatever reason, God didn't allow them to, to see 
uh, who they were speaking with, but as they spoke, it began, to come, it began to be more and more clear that they didn't really understand the true identity and the purpose of Jesus Christ. In verse 19, after Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? It says, these things that happened to Jesus. The man from Nazareth, they said, he was a, a prophet who did powerful miracles, and, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all of the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Listen to this. It says this, we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. You know, I think that when it comes to Jesus, there are a lot of different opinions on who he is. You know, there are a lot of different people who think different things about Jesus. There are a lot of religions who believe in Jesus but have different beliefs of who he really is or what he actually has done. And I think for many of us, we have a perspective on who Jesus is or who Jesus should be. And what we see that there were these two men that they even had their perspective of who Jesus was. Most of it was right. You know, they said this, and we'll just kind of walk through some of these things. It says that, that he was a man. We know that Jesus was a man. He, he, he had emotions. He was born of a, virgin, uh, of a virgin mother. He had the same emotions. He was hungry. Uh, he experienced everything that we went through. There, there are religious scholars and non-religious scholars alike that know and believe that Jesus is really an actual man. But you see, Jesus is more than a man. He's God. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And because he's God, he has the ability to, to be a prophet, they said. He was a prophet. You know, and, and we think about a prophet as someone who could maybe tell the future or, or events that would happen. And that's definitely, Jesus did those things. But, but a prophet in their culture, in their understanding, in the Old Testament, was an intermediary between God, the spokesperson from God to his people. So they were saying that he came and spoke with authority and power from God. It says that he was a miracle worker, right? We, we know that, that Jesus performed many different miracles. Uh, he turned water into wine. He was able to walk on water. He healed people, the, the deaf and the lame and the blind. You know, the, I, I think of the story of, of the woman as Jesus was walking and crowds were coming around him and all she had to do was touch the hem of his garment and she was healed. That is because he is God, then we go on to see that, that he was a, a teacher, right? We, we know that as we read the story of Jesus, uh, many called him rabbi, which literally meant teacher. And Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He was the greatest teacher of all time. Because he was God, he was able to take divine concepts and make them attainable by those of us who are not divine, and so they begin to, to say all of these things about who Jesus is, and, and, and then we get to, to this part, and this is so interesting to me, to me. It said, we had hoped that he was the Messiah. You see, their perspective was wrong. Their perspective of Jesus was wrong. You see, they wanted the Messiah to come and to rule with an iron fist. What they believed is that the Messiah would come and rescue them, and he would bring war, he would bring war, and he would defeat the Roman Empire. And so they were waiting for this. But because Jesus didn't give that to them, they had the wrong perspective. Even some of Jesus' closest 
followers. They were confused. They had hoped. And when Jesus didn't deliver the way they wanted to, the Bible says that they were ignorant and had a wrong perspective. Listen to this. It goes, the story goes on to say, in verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, <laughs> you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. Friends, this is what I love so much about Jesus. I mean, Jesus could have said, you foolish people, and then destroyed them. <laughs> he could have said, you foolish people, you didn't study your, your word hard enough. You foolish people, all of the things that I have just taught you in the four or five years that you've been with me, you refused to, to, to understand those things. So depart from me, I gave you your chance. But no, here's what he does. Jesus gives them what they don't deserve. He gives them love and mercy. And what he does is he goes back to scripture he goes back to what God's word said, and he begins to tell him the story. I, I cannot even begin to think of how this might have been. The greatest Bible study of all time. Here they are walking along with this man who was able to tell them everything about what the Bible said about him and that it would come true. And here they are. The Bible says shortly thereafter, he wanted them to understand the truth of who he was. And when God revealed himself, the Bible says that their eyes were open. <laughs> Suddenly their eyes were open. Suddenly they, they began to realize, okay, he just took us through the truth. And, and all of the things that just happened, they really happened. And, and it was said that it would happen. This is prophecy fulfilled. God and the prophet said this. In Isaiah chapter 53, that he would be rejected, that he would be cursed, that he would hang on a tree and be struck in with grief. And he said that in Zechariah chapter 9, that he would enter in on a donkey, and he did that. And so we read all of these prophecies, and here it is fulfilled. And the Bible says that when he shared a meal with them, their eyes were open. And shortly after their eyes were open, he left them. Poof. Vanished. And it says they, they continued to walk along the road. Here's what I want us to see, and this is so important for us in this room. Only Jesus can open our eyes to see who he really is. Only Jesus can open our eyes to see who he really is. You know, I think of the human body. How unique is the human body, right? You can, you can cut yourself and the body will heal itself. You know, we, we, uh, we have children. I remember when my first child was born, it was the, the most amazing thing I'd ever experienced, right? All of the hard work that I put into that, right? It was super crazy. No, I'm just kidding. It was my wife who did everything. But, but I remember, man, thinking about the human body and thinking about, uh, you know, just how unique it is. And then we begin to think of the eyes. Do you know that the, 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 the eye is the second most complex organ in the body besides the brain? I mean, I, I just did some research. Eyes are, uh, they can differentiate approximately 10 million different colors. How many of you just see the rainbow? I only see six, right? Is there six of them? But now imagine 10 million. We're, we're able to process 10 million. You know, eyes are made up of over 2 million working parts. <laughs> 2 million working parts. Each eye contains 107 million cells that are light, 
sensitive. We begin to think about the uniqueness of, of the human body and the eye. Now, if you had something wrong with your eyes, would you let me, a pastor, operate on your eyes? Anybody in here? Good. You'd go find the, the best ophthalmologist that you possibly could find, right, to work on your eyes. But here's what I want us to see. Jesus did what any ophthalmologist couldn't do. He actually healed people, gave them vision, gave them sight. But I think what's most important for us to understand, it's not just physical sight that's important. Spiritual sight is more important. And Jesus is the only one. He is the ultimate physician that can fix our eyes to see him. The Bible says that we are in darkness without Jesus and that only he can open our eyes. And you may think we read this story about these, these guys in, in Luke chapter 24, and we think they're just ignorant, right? How could they have experienced Jesus walk and talk and, and seen him do all of these things? How many of you, if you were to see the miracle of Jesus raising from death to life, it would change everything, right? Like if we had a burning bush kind of moment, wouldn't our faith change immediately? Is it just me? But, but they didn't believe, they had wrong perspective. You know, I think the same for us. <laughs> Now, how often has God been a provider? How often has, has Jesus, you, you know, forgiven us of our sin? How often has he, he done what only he could do in our lives? But we have this wrong perspective. If he doesn't meet our standard, if he doesn't meet what we want him to do, we so easily turn away from him. Jesus didn't stop at just opening these two men's eyes on the road to Emmaus. It says that he then goes on and he goes to his closest disciples some of the ones that rejected him. In verse 38, it, it even says that, that they were troubled and doubtful. When Jesus appeared to them, uh, he, he, was, he said, why are, you so, why are you so doubtful? Why are you so troubled? He said, look, see my hands, see the scars. He even ate with them. <laughs> and here's what we see, again, in verse 45 through 48. We'll end with this. It says, then, please, friends, I, I want us to understand this. It says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all of the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And here is that message. There is forgiveness for sins for all who repent. You are witnesses to all of these things. Here's, here's what I think is so amazing about this. This is why we value scripture so much. Because Jesus didn't just say, hey, look at me, I'm here. That's enough. You have the feeling, you see and believe, you have maybe blind faith. No, what he said is that everything that has been said about me, we find in God's word. And so friends, what you need to understand that this isn't just a message where we say, hey, believe. No, what you need to do is you need to open up God's word, which is living and active, which penetrates our heart and our mind and our soul. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will illuminate God's word to us. And when we do, we begin to see who he is. And so my hope is that, that I don't just ask you to have blind faith in a risen Savior. Instead, I would hope that you would open up God's word and you would see that everything in this book from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to the end of Revelation, it is all about Jesus. It is all about him rising to new life. It is all about him conquesting not just Roman oppression, but our sin, death, and the grave. And the reason why we celebrate is because God's word says that he is risen. He is risen. 
And if we would believe, the Bible says, all we have to do is say yes. My, my hope for you today, friend, is that you would see the significance of Easter, but you wouldn't take my word for it. Instead, you would allow the Son of God to illuminate your mind to see that everything he said about himself happened. And friends, one day, the Bible says that he will come back for us, for those of us who will put our faith in Jesus Christ to spend eternity with him. If you have not made the decision today to put your faith in the risen Savior, my hope would be that you would, that you would begin to see that this is what the Bible says about us. In Genesis chapter 3, God, God had just created everything perfect, everything no flaw in anything. The Bible says that he gave us the freedom to make our own decision, and we did. We went against God's standard. He said, there's one thing you cannot do, and I think when you tell someone not to do something, it's obviously opposite of what happened, and that's what happened. And because of that, the Bible said that sin entered the world, and that sin destroyed our relationship with God. It destroyed the, world, the way the world was made. That's why we have earthquakes and famine and tornadoes and disease. That's why we have brokenness in relationship. That's why the world is the way that it is, because of our decision to go our own way. And because of that decision, there is a chasm. There's a separation between us and God. But even in Genesis chapter 3, God had a plan, and that plan was Jesus Christ. And so when we read in the Law of the Prophets, when we read the minor and major prophets, everything is pointing to Jesus. Everything is pointing for God to restore his perfection. And the way that he does that, the Bible says, is that he gives his son as the payment for our sin penalty. In Romans chapter 3, it says the wage of our sin is death. Because of our sin, we are eternally separated from God forever. And the only way that we can be made right is there has to be a sacrifice. And here is the sacrifice, friends. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. He lived the life that we couldn't live, a perfect life without sin. He died the death that we deserved. As we recognize on Good Friday, every lash, every you know, strike, every curse word, he took upon himself on the cross. The Bible says that on that cross, he defeated death. Now here is the good news. It's not just a forgiveness that happens over and over and over again. Because he rose from death to life, our eternity is secure. And then we go on to read in Romans 10, 9, and 10. This is how we profess that faith, that we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he did these things for you and for me. The Bible says we will be saved if you have not made that decision today, it's that easy, friends. We would love to show you how then now the risen Savior can live in you through the Holy Spirit and change your life for eternity. We, may we not forget who Jesus is and what he has done for us. I want to close with this. Next week, we're going to be starting a series called The Jesus Way. I think we, we have seen the events leading up to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so now we're going to see how he transformed people's lives by a different way of living. We would love for you to join us next week. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the significance of this day. God, may it impact every single part of our life that you, you died a death that we deserve because you, the living God, wanted to be in relationship with us. 
And God, many of us in this room have done everything in our power to seek something that satisfies. God, many of us have gone our own way. We've looked for certain things, but we are here today, and God, may you give us what we need. May you be the living Christ in our lives so that we would be satisfied in you. And may it impact every part of our life, not just today, but for eternity. May it change the way we live. God, if there is anyone in this room who has been questioning or has been doubtful, who maybe has struggled with who you are, may your words today, through Scripture, may they become so real. Would you open up their eyes and their heart to receive of you today? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.